uh, Brother Russ. So since it's shorter, I'm going to preach louder and maybe make it impactful. Uh, let's stand up for Romans chapter 8. And uh, for context, we will start in 16 and then we'll read through 21 tonight. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. May God bless His Word be seated in the house tonight. Last week, we examined that uh, if we share with Jesus Christ in His sufferings, then we will also share in His glory. I've talked to a lot of people in the past few weeks, ask them how they're doing. Maybe they were absent from church, and they will say, yeah, you know, my daughter had uh, an ear infection or, or a bug, and now we've been a good family and shared it with everyone else in the house. Uh, that's how it normally goes at my house. Uh, you know, if my daughter has a stomach bug, three days later, Roman has a stomach bug, and then Tyler has a stomach bug, but with the grace of God, I anoint myself with oil and don't touch my children during that time. Uh, but no, everything is, is shared uh, with, with family normally. But Jesus Christ, as our heavenly Father, His desire is to share all His glory with us. Amen? Amen. His desire is that for forever in heaven, the glory that He's known forever is shared with us. All right, and his glory, his his impact, his weight was most fully revealed on the cross. And the cross is the pinnacle of suffering. So what we see in the previous verses that we've looked at in the past few weeks is that through the suffering on the cross, his glory is revealed. And because he will share his glory with us, then he must also share his suffering. So the context that we established a few weeks ago is it's opposite of the prosperity gospel. It's opposite of the preachers who say, follow Jesus Christ and your life's going to be happier. Follow Jesus Christ and your life's going to be better. Follow Jesus Christ, your life's going to be easier. And, and if you go to the bookstores today, even the Christian bookstores, you're going to find loads and loads of books that make Christianity look to be life enhancement. Just like a vacation. You see the vacation advertisements in magazine, they always show happy people. They don't show people cleaning up kids messing up hotel rooms. They always show happy people. It's never like the magazines, 
Reality is not like the magazines. But people try to make Christianity look like magazine Christianity. That it's lofty and that it's uh, uh, almost, oh, oh, that really looks nice. I want to I be a Christian because he looks like he's got it all together. But that's not what Jesus shares with us. Because Jesus' life was not a life that was marked by prosperity or betterment or, or even what we would consider success. I mean, just remember that, that we follow a homeless carpenter, okay? That our Lord and Savior was a homeless carpenter who was rejected by the world. The nicest, most wonderful human being that ever lived was rejected by the world. And if we follow in his footsteps, then that is the same rejection that we will endure so he says in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. If you remember from past sermons as I've talked about the glory of God, that glory refers to heaviness or weightiness, importance. Glory also refers to honor and unspoken manifestation of God. Now, Young people, I know you're in the uh, audience tonight and everything, and, and even adults, we, we need to get this concept of glory tonight, okay? If you've got taking notes or something, I want you to write down this word glory because this is important. Glory means the unspoken manifestation of God, the importance. He says that the glory which is to come is not even comparable with the sufferings that we have. He says, I'm not even going to compare our sufferings to the glory that will be revealed in us. So Paul is saying that he has a knowledge, he has an awareness of what God has intended for his people. And because of that knowledge that we will share with Jesus Christ, then he, with that knowledge of what's to come, can look at the sufferings and say, you can't even, you can't even compare them. They're not even worthy to be compared with, with the glory that is to come. I mean... Imagine you go shopping for a diamond ring, and, and there you, you're looking for an engagement ring or, or an anniversary ring for your wife, and you tell the guy you want a one-carat diamond. And I thought, I thought, you know, when I was uh, 21 and, and getting engaged, I thought, well, one carat, that's like the minimum, right? Until I got to the store. <laughs> I said, show me one carat. Uh, and he said, well, how many diamonds do you want to make up that one carat? And I found out that the more diamonds that make up that one carat is the less. But you get one carat. And, buddy, you're going to pay for that big old one carat. So imagine you're looking at um, a diamond that's one carat. But, but the salesman says, well, this is one of the best diamonds you'll ever lay your eyes upon. Now, when I first went there, uh, you know, I saw these little black specks of charcoal. In the diamond. And I said, this thing looks horrible. And I didn't have anything to compare it to. But imagine you're saying, you're looking at something. He says, this is the best one you ever see. And you say, well, give me something to compare it with. So he pulls out literally a carrot. And says, here's one carrot. And here's one carrot. Right? Now, now, you guys know that, that a diamond is measured by a carrot. Not the same as the one you eat, but it's spelled differently. That's how big it is. But just imagine for comparison, he brings out a literal carrot like Bugs Bunny. 
you say, you know, you can see through this one. You can't see through this one, right? This one's hard. This one's soft, right? Not even in the same ballpark. This is what Apostle Paul's trying to say. He said, you cannot even compare suffering to glory. You cannot even find a realm or a paradigm or a logical system that's going to give you an idea of how important glory is compared to your temporary, momentary suffering. I remember that uh, when Pastor Enoch first arrived at our church, he told me about the brokenness of Haiti. And I said to him, I said, well, tell me about the suffering of the people in Haiti. Tell me about what the people in Haiti are going through. And you know, I figured we have a context to understand suffering here. I mean, we have people here who uh, uh, don't have food. We have people here who um, um, have less than uh, normal living circumstances. We can understand suffering, right? And I said, tell me about the suffering in Haiti. And he said, he said, Pastor, I can't explain it to you. He said, you have to go see it. And once I went down there, I understand what he meant. Because, see, it's hard to compare suffering there with the suffering we know here. So, my friend, listen to this. It's hard to even compare suffering to suffering. So how can we even compare suffering to glory? So when someone says, why am I going through this? What we're looking at is, is the problem, not the solution. What we're looking at is the journey, not the destination. When you say, this suffering here is hard and this suffering here is painful, he says, listen, you cannot even compare them to glory. There's nothing on this earth that can be compared with the glory of God. But do you know, do you know that on this earth our suffering is heavier than joy? Suffering is more impactful than joy. Because you go through a joyful experience. You go to Disney World. And you're going to be happy for seven days. But you're already fighting in the car on your way back home to North Carolina. Joy is so fleeting. But you start to suffer. And that suffering lasts. That suffering lasts for weeks. That suffering lasts for months. That pain might last for years. That's why God doesn't work necessarily through joy. C.S. Lewis said God whispers in joy but shouts in pain. Because that suffering lasts. And in that suffering, it's producing in us a character that's being transformed to glory. And so what we've seen is that Jesus shares his suffering with us because in suffering, the flesh is denied. And in suffering, you realize that everything that you thought you needed, you don't need. Well, I needed that relationship. God said no. 
Well, well, I needed that job. God said no. Well, I needed that, that love and support. God said no. Suffering reveals what you don't need for character with God. And so that suffering is producing in us a recognition of the glory that's going to be revealed. And then in verse 19 he says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Well, if God's plan is glory, then why does everything look so terrible? I mean, have you guys watched the news lately? How, let's just take a poll. How many of you watched the news in the past week? I feel like George South. These people are crazy. Right? This world is mad. How can this possibly be God's plan for glory? How can God possibly be in the midst of this world's fallenness and suffering? Why so much pain? Why so much hardship? You see, since the beginning of time, God has ordained a plan that is working towards glory. Okay? Any of you high school students, any of you middle school students, any of you guys have a goal journal? You've got something on your phone you've written down your goals in, right? You mind sharing like one of your goals with us? Okay, graduate high school. What about beyond? You got any plans like what you want to be? You got that written anywhere? You probably got, you know, you said, I want to be an occupational therapist. And let me tell you what, you're going to go through a lot of suffering to get there. Amen? But you know the end is worth it. The end is worth the reward. So, so before the creation of time, in God's uh, eternal journal, He wrote glory. He wrote a heavenly bride. And let me tell you what God has Declared, he will accomplish. So what that means for us is that we look at the whole spectrum of history and we don't say man, man, uh, man has really messed it up. We say God is even using the failure of men for his purpose. You see, God is like the potter. Have you guys ever seen a potter use a pottery wheel and it spins around and then they wet their hands and they mold the clay and they mold the mud and everything. And what do they have to do if there's too much clay? They take this tool and they scrape away the excess. And, and they peel it off and they tear it off until it gets down to the form that is fashionable. Because if it's too much mass there and they have this form that's rotating at a high speed, it's just going to come out of balance. So what does the potter do? They scrape away What's unneeded. And in the history of time, God is scraping away the unneeded parts of creation. The parts that have no eternal value. And that's where creation hurts. 
That's where creation suffers. And in your own personal life, when God is scraping away the self, when God is scraping away the ego, when God is scraping away the pride, and all that stuff that we try to boast up in the face of God to say, God, I I really don't need your, your Christianity. I really don't need your word every day. And God scrapes that away. That suffering reveals glory. You see, in order for a soul and a whole kingdom to be transferred from this earthly realm to a spiritual existence, just like a diamond, it takes a few thousand years of hidden pressure. You see, the coal gets no glory. The dirt gets no glory. The pressure gets no glory. Bella, you know how when we build the fire at the house and Daddy takes those metal things and moves around the the hot wood, the coals? Did you know a, a diamond comes from an old, dirty piece of rock like that? You see, God does not produce beauty from beauty. He takes... The broken and through suffering transforms into glory. It takes thousands of years of that pressure for God to reveal the gem of the church that's going to last forever. You know, I talk to people every day who say, I don't know why God is doing this in my life. Why is God letting this happen to me? Why, is, why did God let this happen to my dad? Judy shared the story of a relative, 40 years old, breathed their last breath. Why could God let that happen? I want you to imagine for a moment, Adam and Eve, and the first pregnancy in history. And I want you to imagine they get cast out of the garden. And suddenly she just starts getting sick. And she just starts throwing up. And then something starts growing inside her and tearing at her abdomen. (laughs) Do you think she had a clue what was going on? Adam, what the world is going on? As far as she knows... They're humans, and God made them, and humans come from God. But as her feet swell up, and as her body goes through contortions, what in the world? Why why is this happening? Why, why, Why is this damaging me? Until nine months later, do you know what the words that the Bible records? She says, Look, the Lord gave me a human. <laughs> it's like, it's like, God made another human. But can you imagine not knowing the process because you didn't know the end? And knowing the pain and knowing the the discomfort and knowing all those things, but not knowing the end. And can you imagine saying, why is this happening to me? 
But here's what Paul ultimately saw. And this is what we don't see. Paul saw the end. And we can't see what's being birthed because we're not aware of what God is spiritually doing. The reason that we struggle is because we look at the now instead of the eternity. We say, God, why are you doing this to me? The answer, I, I want you to just look down. Just look down. Somebody needs this tonight. Romans eight twenty eight. I'm getting ahead of myself. Is it still snowing? I think so. We're about to wrap her up right now. Yes, sir. I believe because the Holy Spirit is present with us, then, then the answer is yes. It's a good question. Okay. Romans 8.28 says this. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You see, you can't see it right now. You can't see the suffering and the pain that you're enduring and that you have endured that God's going to use for good because you don't yet see the end. You can't see that your own battle with depression will be used for glory. You can't see that the addictions that you've overcome or possibly currently struggling with right now, God can use for glory. In the blackness of the spiritual room, we do not have the ability to see the light of God's kingdom that exists as a result of our new birth. All we see as God is birthing something, as He is bringing forth something, all we see is blackness. All we see as coal is pressure. All we see is dirt. But the geologist sees beauty. And so we hurt and we cry and we suffer. But it will all, every single bit of your pain, God will use for good. And God will use for glory. A man asked Jesus one time, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Jesus wasn't simply talking about a prayer that he must pray or a decision he must make. But Jesus was talking about the spiritual reality is that for the rest of your life, God will have to birth you into something that will last forever. You see, we don't just get saved. The scripture says we are being saved. That even right now, through your affliction, through your pain, through your sickness, through your cancer, through your own personal shortcomings, that God is birthing something. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. You see, Jesus is referring to the whole process of creation from Adam 
to when Jesus comes back, creation eagerly awaits every single moment. Every single, every single moment of your life will point to the coming and the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when He comes, you're going to have this realization. Everything done for Him will last forever and everything not done for Him will perish. I met with a, a pastor today who's been in ministry for 30-something years. He's one of the oldest youth pastors in this county. He said, you know, when he was 40, he said, I really wanted to quit because I wasn't cool I wasn't trendy, and he said I wanted to quit. But he says, I've realized after 30 years, now he's older, that God uses weakness more than strength. And he said, my prayer right now is that each day I'm faithful to God. And if God gives me tomorrow, then I'm going to be faithful to God tomorrow. And if God gives me the next day, then I'm going to be faithful the next day. So that every day can point to Christ. Even the snow points to Him. Amen. Let's pray.